Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode nine of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and metal guide on the spirit journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Greg McIntosh of Paradise Lost tells us about his first band, and I recommend the Fuzz Collective Astral Cult. Before all that, I interview Neil Fallon of Clutch about his recent collaboration with Vinny Apice, cover bands, the Star Wars franchise, beer, and a lot more. I should note that I frequently reference an interview I did with Neil when I was in college. The interview can be read at the KSSU News website and in the book That Devil Music. However, if you don't want to read it, A, I don't blame you, and B, you don't have to because I give context where it's needed. Anyway, before I dive in, here's some of a quick death in Texas from the latest clutch record, Psychic Warfare. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm not doing bad. Um, so, uh, shall we, sir? Yeah, just give me one moment. I'm adjusting my sprinkler outside. I got to get it back inside. Oh, go right ahead. That's <laughs> fine. I knew you were calling. I just... What sort of sprinkler? Suburban. <laughs> just a stupid garden hose sprinkler. <laughs> not even like you a fa- not even like a fancy rain bird setup where you got a key and whatnot. I used to work in a garden. No, no. It's a, uh, you know, like a $20 Ace Hardware sprinkler. Nothing sexy. I used to work in a uh, Ace Hardware garden center. I actually know those sprinklers very well, sadly. <laughs> well, it, it works well. You should be proud. <laughs> I, I have no uh, no dog in that fight. If you're mad at it, you please, please be mad at it. It's all good. <laughs> all right. I'm good. All righty. Cool. So I'll, I'll start off by mentioning I have interviewed you once before, and uh, I'm going to be referring to some of those questions. I don't expect you to remember that at all, but um, uh, so I so I'll preface them a little bit. Um, so uh, first, uh, how was your recent European run? You guys played a lot of festivals, right? It was good. It was uh, yeah. There was a lot of festivals. Um, maybe not the longest tour in the world, but it was pretty exhausting. There's a lot of. Uh, late nights and early mornings and a lot of flying in between these festivals and it was hard to get a um, a routine going but now in that's done in hindsight i could say it was very successful uh, when you guys play something like reading or Leeds, are you able to see any other acts or are you guys bus in play get out next show um, usually that's the case. Usually we, you know, play later on in the day, but at Reading and Leeds, we played at 1230 in the afternoon, which is usually when we're getting out of bed. <laughs> so it was a bit challenging, um, but that did give us the rest of the day to kind of, you know, do whatever we wanted. So I checked out some bands. It is like any other festival. It's huge. So, um, couldn't check it all out, but, um, 
sang some songs with uh, Mastodon and um, checked out a band called Slaves and Eagles of Death Metal as well. So, you know, we, we figured out what to do with ourselves. Uh, did you catch any of Giraffic Tongue Orchestra? No, I did not. They were playing uh, miles away, and I think shortly after we finished, so we didn't really have time to kind of reboot to go see them after our sets. That's fair. Uh, and you guys are in between tours at the moment, and you're about to go out with uh, Zach Wild's Zach Sabbath, which, as it sounds, is a Black Sabbath cover band. Uh, I'm about to go see them, uh, their actual Black Sabbath, next week. Are you a big Sabbath guy yourself? Yes, I am. What are some of your favorite deeper cuts? Um, well, I, I think uh, I'm a big fan of Dio Sabbath. I don't think it's necessarily better or worse. I know there's those two, these two camps about what is real Sabbath. To me, you know, it's it's all good. Uh, as far as um, deeper cuts. Um, Johnny Blade is a deep cut. That is a deep cut. Isn't it a Bill Ward vocal? No. Uh, uh, Ozzy sings that one. I think, to be honest, when you listen to it, I, uh, it sounds like they were kind of taking a big cue from Thin Lizzy. Um, at least lyrically, you know, a lot of Thin Lizzy songs are about these kind of, you know, criminal heroes. And... Um, that that's to me what that song sounds like and but i like i said i i think mob rules is an awesome record that isn't any less legit as you know volume four i'm from a camp that gives them the first 10 albums like they can do whatever they want after that it gets a little a little fuzzy when you lose dio and have him back and stuff like that yeah well you know there are you know when you get into like tony iomi's black sabbath that's a those are some murky waters he even kind of seemed to think that during when I read his autobiography. Um, so with with Zach playing a a, a Sabbath uh, cover band, have you ever been in a cover band yourself, or if you were to be in one, who would you cover? <laughs> um, never been in a cover band. We've done cover songs. Um, we did used to actually Clutch's very very first shows. We used to open up with Wicked World. Um, but as far as a band goes, um, and the reason I'll say this is because the only kind of cover band that I think I might want to see is one of these, you know, Pink Floyd cover bands that do the laser light shows and the, uh, you know, the auditoriums to me that for some reason that seems a little less, a little more, uh, um, legitimate is not the world but the word but it's you, you kind of get a free pass for that and i love pink floyd's music and to be able to play it and have a uh indulgent fantasy uh I, I would do that but then again i would also massacre those songs so i won't do it i've heard you guys's cover of money and i don't remember where i heard it and i haven't heard it since but what uh how do you think you did on that yourself um, well, the thing, that's one of those things we were working on the song and what got out to the public was basically a half baked demo. So it was a little infuriating. Um, 
that it got out as it did prematurely because I didn't intended to recut some vocals and um, I think we did a good job of it and I know we can I know we can play it better now than we did then um, but I kind of have to uh, put a little asterisk next to that song because it, it wasn't ready for public consumption in that in that form. Um, coming back to Sabbath just a little bit, your most recent project, uh, Dunsmuir, features Vinnie Apice on drums. How did you guys meet? We met because Dave and Brad um, said they wanted to find a drummer out there in L.A. to jam with. Um, this is before they even asked me about singing. And he, they said they were going to... Dave said he was going to get in touch with... He was going to email Vinnie Apice. And I'm my reaction was like, you don't just email Vinny Apice. Um, but that's what he did, and Vinny got back to him, and they jammed a couple times, and then I went out there oh, spring before last and uh, there for three days and just kind of hit it off. Just, it took me a minute to kind of uh, wrap my head around it. And uh, But he's a... Uh, got a great sense of humor and he just likes to play rock and roll and i, I like both of those things <laughs> uh for me the the name dunsmuir is a small town north of me here in california what is the source of the name for the band um dave used to write for fan uh uh what's uh the horror magazine i'm, I'm having a brain fart fan uh Fangoria, I believe. Fangoria, yeah, Fangoria. I always wanted to call it Fantasmagoria. Yeah, Fangoria. Um, so he's a he's a horror nerd of like unheard of proportions. The name Dunsmere is the name of the funeral home in Phantasm, <laughs> and it may be from that same town that you're talking about because I know they filmed it in Northern California. Yeah, that's super North California. Um, in your your lyrics, typically, at least with Clutch, you're known for elaborate metaphors and, and wordplay. When you're in um, a setting that is not Clutch, do you ever feel like you should adapt them to be more straightforward, or are people like, this is Neil, he, this is what Neil does? Um, well, I think I tried to do more straightforward lyrics on, on psychic warfare and try to have more... Uh, more plot and for lack of evidence it's not really plot but more of a development from verse to verse uh, I like lyrics that seem nonsensical at times because that you concentrate on the sound of the words more than the meaning but I also appreciate you know, the stories being told in songs um, you know I do I do what I what comes instinctually and I think if I tried to reject that and do something else um it would sound well at least to me it would be unnatural on the last three clutch records it was just the core four members of you guys and uh when we spoke before you mentioned there is a backlash of what you called your foray into bluesville um when you guys are in the studio and dabbling and writing do you miss including hammond organ or even more harmonica than um you have been or has it just made everything easier as far as touring and writing? 
Um, I think once those things disappeared, it was easier to, to focus on, you know, the four pieces that make, you know, the rock songs. We sometimes background of any nature, like keyboards, um, strings, or even guitar players just doing horse shit through guitar effects pedals becomes a bit of a sonic trampoline and you can you got more wiggle room to to make mistakes but if you take that away then everything's got to be tight and that was a good exercise to kind of pull away that that soft focus and and listen to the very specific tones and beats and 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 parts of the song it's not to say that i didn't like it at the time but you can get used to things and your your skill sets can atrophy in, in listening. Do you guys set out to do something different in some way with every record or do you feel like you walk into a room, you guys know what you do? Um, that was an awful question, I'm sorry. We, <laughs> we, we know what we're doing, you know, um, technically. Uh, but I think the joy of making something is you have no idea what you're doing. I mean, if you can draw a parallel with an artist in a blank canvas, that's the exciting part is, is creating something and saying, I didn't know that was you know going to happen. And that's the fun part of it. It could also be the most frustrating part when it doesn't come easily, but um, when it does, it's, uh, it's no other satisfaction like it. I'll have more with Neil Fallon in just a moment. But first, every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, Greg McIntosh from Paradise Lost discusses his first band. I spoke with Greg in 2012. I, I never really had a first band. It was always just with um, Nick, the singer in Paradise Lost now. It was always me and him just doing stuff from the age of about 17, just messing around, and then different people came and went until we became Paradise Lost. So there were a few weird names along the way, but it was the same couple of guys just pulling other people in. We took it 
From the 2015 album, The Plague Within, that was An Eternity of Lies. Paradise Lost are currently working on their first album for Nuclear Blast Records, their 15th overall, which will likely drop in 2017. Here are some of the Bats Are Hungry Tonight from Neil Fallon's side project, Dunsmuir, before I resume our chat. Also, when we chatted before, it was not long after the uh, one-off sour you guys did, the um, uh, New Belgium, I believe, brewery sour. Um, yeah. Since then, it seems like every band has had multiple beers come out. And you guys are sort of on the forefront of that. Do you think there's going to be another clutch beer, or is that door sort of closed for you guys? Um, there, as far as I know, I think the intention is to do that clutch sour again. It'll be a bit different. I'm not sure exactly how at this point. Um, you know, my appetite for, you know, doing another clutch beer, you know, it's kind of lukewarm for the reasons that you just said. It just seems like everybody and their brothers doing it. I will say this. We were very hands-on and we, we made it, uh, we taste, uh, tasted different flavor profiles we went to the brew we poured the hops in and all that we just didn't slap our name on something and um i have no interest in doing anything like that if that were the case so if you guys are making a beer you guys are making the beer exactly i like that i like that a lot um what have you been drinking lately like any sort of uh microbrews that you find on tour that are like local specific or something um well, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it's only noon and I just had a beer because I, I just, like I said, I finished mowing the lawn when you called, so I had a beer. You earned it. Um, yeah, I think so. There's nothing like the after mowing the lawn beer. Um, the uh, Elysian, uh, I think I think they're from Colorado. They have a beer called Super Fuzz. That's a good one for the summertime. And um, uh, there was a lot in... in uh, in Europe, we were drinking a lot of the Keller uh, of all different sorts. And um, my wife is out now in Northern California with her girlfriends. I know she's out kind of by where Bear Republic is, and I'm a big fan of Bear Republic. Uh, I have had that Super Fuzz one. It is a very tasty beer. Yeah, it's good. It's not, you know, usually when I see uh, any kind of fruit, associate with beer I, I i'm skeptical because it would be too sweet but that is not the case with that and that's good Let's see bear republic's not too far from me i'm not sure why i've not gone there um <laughs> i will go ahead and end on what I, what may be a, a touchy subject if you don't mind um what did you think of the force awakens we talked a lot about star wars back around uh, earth rocker um 
In general, in general terms, I'll answer your question. But in general terms, I'm suffering a bit of uh, Star Wars burnout. I could, I can understand why it's intense right now. It's, it's all, um, it's all pervasive. I understand why. I know how it got sold, and you have all these spin-offs and marketing, and you know that's all well and good. But to me, that took away a lot of the, uh, um, I don't know, the dearness to my heart. But that doesn't change the. You know how I feel about it. Um, in the past, Force Awakens I was visually a much better movie than any that been made in recent history. Um, the storyline was almost identical to A New Hope. Yeah. But having said that, I went to The Force Awakens with my six-year-old son, and I did some math and. The Force Awakens opened up exactly how many thousands of days he was, you know, here on Earth, as did A New Hope to me. So we went to the theater to go see it. And I remember kind of watching his face when he watched it, and that made it easier because I realized, you know, it's like I'm not, no one's going to make a movie for me that's going to live up to that expectation. That's un- unreasonable because I'm 44 now. When I watch my kid watching *A Force Awakens*, that's his, um, that's his new hope, and it, I understand maybe maybe that's why the, the storylines are so similar. Um, having said that, I do you know when I when I play like um, the that that movie *A New Hope*, he he'll sit there and watch it without question. But when he watches, you know. Uh, the Phantom Menace, he doesn't understand what the fuck's going on. Um, I think that's just basically because of CGI shitting all over good storytelling. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in episode eight? Or do you have any sort of theories? I don't. And I, I don't really um, pay any attention to, to fan theories on anything. Um I just I kind of find it a, a unnecessary distraction. Alrighty, well, um, I'm looking forward to your show that's swinging through the Bay Area. I believe it is the 16th of October, some Sunday for me, and the rest of your tour. Um, you enjoy the rest of your uh, what sounds like a uh, yard-filled day, unless you're doing more interviews yeah. with folks. Um, thank you for talking with me so much, and uh, you have a good day, sir. You too. Thanks, man. They refuse to move or even speak. They talk to devils, men, demons, and beasts. Savage gods, mutineers, they'll show them all what it means to fear. So careful seeing the unknown. Give tribute to is your only master Dunsmuir's self-titled debut is out now and Clutch is about to embark on the next leg of the Psychic Warfare tour with Zack Sabbath and King for dates and more information head to pro-rock.com I like to end each episode with a recommendation of a band you may or may not know about this episode is one for you fans of doom and riffy heaviness out there Folsom California's Astro Cult has been bringing the fuzz for a few years now and just released their second album, The Sacred Flame, in June. Here's the epic beacon of darkness in its entirety.
more Astral Cult, head to facebook.com slash astralcult and astralcult.bandcamp.com. That does it for this episode of Far Beyond Metal. If you want to follow the show, you can do so at facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal. I'm on Twitter at Ovacord, and you can email me at farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com. As always, the theme is Far Beyond Metal from Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.